Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Man vs. Machine. I am Theo Greminger, and I'm joined today by Dario Ofstein. Uh, Bradley Stelter is not on this week. Billy Muzio is not on this week. But but Dario and I are going to attack a very important position. The last few weeks, we've spent time talking about stacks, correlation. We've talked about teammate arbitrage, especially at the wide receiver position. We've looked at the running back position in depth. We've We've really dove into ambiguous backfields. So if any of those things interest you, we highly recommend our last two episodes. Uh, we also recorded with Mark Garcia, our our host of First Mover. That was an excellent show. Uh, Dario is making his way across the United States. He's on his way to the Fantasy Football Expo. Where are you recording from today, Dario? Uh, today we're in central Michigan. I'm probably going – last night I camped over by Lake Michigan, just on the other side from Chicago. Today we're driving across Michigan, and then I'm probably going to camp on Lake Erie, just on the very um, western tip of Lake Erie. So we're we're making our way across. It's the uh, first time I've driven to the Eastern Time Zone, so it's, it's been fun. That's awesome. Um, are you getting like road road weary? Or are you still enjoying seeing things? Uh, I, I'm getting very into audiobooks. Is, okay. Is is, is uh, how I'm passing the time, but it's been it's been good. I'm a big audiobook guy, and I somebody like really triggered me with a, a tweet saying that it's not real reading. You consider it real reading, Dario? I think so. I, I'd say right. so. I mean, I I keep my my maybe my more dense reads to to the you know traditional sense, but I've been listening to Dune in the audiobook, and it's it's nice. It's it's a good distraction. That's that's some that's some heavy that's some heavy uh, heavy science fiction read, but you know we've got to we got to get serious here. We're we're thirty <laughs> days out. We're we're you know l- like a month away from from kickoff. Detroit, Kansas City's kicking off the season, and drafts are starting. I'm in multiple drafts right now. Uh, this is this is like the time. You have the fantasy football expo coming up that like kind of marks the beginning of the end of the summer. Um, and we're going to get really serious about the quarterback position. I think oftentimes it's a position where drafters spend the least time on. Most people play in 12-team leagues. If you want to draft early quarterback, you know where they go. If you want to wait on quarterback, you know, you're probably going to get the 12th quarterback off the board in ADP or one guy below him. So there's a little less pressure on the drafter than – you know, the running back or the wide receiver or potentially getting tight end value. However, I think it's a big mistake. We've seen in in recent years how impactful, you know, 2019 Lamar Jackson was, how impactful 2018 Patrick Mahomes was, and, you know, last season how much of a cheat code it really was to simply draft Patrick Mahomes as QB3 instead of Justin Herbert as QB2. There's oftentimes mispricing. 
And we oftentimes don't see the quarterback that's the first one selected in ADP finish as the highest scoring quarterback. Just philosophically, Dario, one thing to get out of the way, because we're going to talk about this in general. Analytically, how do you treat the quarterback position in leagues with with six-point passing touchdowns versus four-point passing touchdowns? Is this something where you change your process and you look at certain archetypes differently? Or do you generally treat them the same no matter the touchdown uh, scoring format? I think that I, I just kind of plug it into the projections. You know, like we, we'll see who that benefits the most and who it kind of hurts the most. But aside from that and plugging the projections into the formula, seeing which guys are going to move up the rankings because of the six-point passing touchdowns, I wouldn't give it too much more weight than that. And I think that overall it can have an impact on a guy like Kirk Cousins or, you know, these, these pocket passers where it just kind of raises their ceiling a little bit because, you know, four-point passing touchdowns, if Kirk Cousins has his best game of the season, it's still probably not a huge difference maker for you. Six-point passing touchdowns, you're definitely, you know, have a good chance of winning that week. So I think that it, it helps those guys like Cousins, Aaron Rodgers, um, Jared Goff, guys who are pretty much mostly going to be doing it from the pocket. But I think that I'm actually more inclined to go late-round quarterback in a six-point passing touchdown league because streaming becomes a little bit more viable. You can target weak pass defenses, and it just raises the floor across the entire quarterback position. Now, just the last structural question I kind of want to get into, because we're going to talk about some of these low-end QB1s. At what point should drafters be selecting a backup quarterback in a regular 12-man league? Let's say it's a 16 16 roster size Yahoo league. Uh, Let's get away from, you know, FFPC. Let's talk about a home league draft. Is it a mistake to be rostering two quarterbacks? Does it give you less danger or are you potentially blocking a elite scoring low end quarterback uh, like a Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence last year from ending up on one of your league mates uh, teams. I pretty much avoid drafting a second quarterback at all costs in those home leagues. Like you're describing, like I'll roll my dice on, you know, I think maybe the, the one exception I could see this year is if you draft Anthony Richardson and then it turns out he's not starting week one, I wouldn't want to drop him, yeah. but I think otherwise, you know, if you if you went late, then lean into the streaming aspect of it. And if you have, you know, Russell Wilson and he gets off to a bad start, then pick up, you know, a Daniel Jones, a Tua, Kenny Pickett, even if they're off, like those guys who are in that next tier that are off to a good start. Like you said, it depends a lot on how deep the league is. If you're in an FFPC 20 deep roster league, you do need that second quarterback because everyone's going to be rostering multiple quarterbacks. And then the best option on your waiver wire is going to be Jordan Love or, you know, CJ Stroud just for a whole tier further down. But to, you know, your question was about your sort of typical home league shallow roster sizes. I'm definitely not trying to draft two quarterbacks or roster two quarterbacks any given week. Yeah, no, I'm with you on on a home league. If the, if the shorter the roster spots are, the less likely I am to draft a second quarterback. But I will say that there's Sometimes in like an FFPC or or NFFC or that sort of format, I don't mind going naked QB if I really put that early draft capital into like one of the elite guys. If I spend oh, a third absolutely. round pick on Jalen Hurts, 
then I'm done. You know, like, um, so I think that's, that's definitely an interesting conversation, but we're going to dive into a number of these individual quarterback ADPs. We're going to try to extract the best values that we can and try to project a couple guys that are really going to smash their spots. But first we're going to hear a word from our sponsors. Hey, it's the Podfather of great news. The 2023 draft kit is live. It is world famous. Why? Because it is the best resource for winning fantasy football championships that exists. There are rankings and cheat sheets for every format you can imagine. We have projections both at the team level and the player level. And wherever you are, you can click on a player, open them up, and see in-depth written analysis about what to expect in fantasy football from that player this year. And then you can click on the team, and you can get even more in-depth analysis, all the drivers of fantasy production, both in a positive and negative direction for that team, including a signature trend. And the graphics are incredible. So these team insights, they give you the team-level projections, the vacated targets, the vacated areas, and that one dynamic for each team that you need to know when making decisions on draft day. And we added a bunch of features. I mean, individual cheat sheets for Theo and Billy and Dario. So you could take your favorite analyst and download their personal draft cheat sheet. And then in the commissioner's section, also brand new this year, Memphis Young lays out everything you need to know to manage a league, do's, don'ts, tips, and what the more innovative fantasy commissioners are doing this year. That's presented by Trophy Smack. The whole package is presented by the Fantasy Football Players Championship, the FFPC, Ray Garvin, Derek Brown, the best minds in the industry contributing analysis. It's certainly not the most inexpensive draft kit on the market, but uh, <laughs> it is the best. Playerprofiler.com slash draft kit. Playerprofiler.com slash draft kit. Go get it. Welcome back to Man vs. Machine. Theo Greminger here with Dario Ofstein. Uh, Dario, we, we just had an ad for the World Famous Draft Kit, and I finally completed my cheat sheet. So I'm excited <laughs> that's going to get up on there. Um, I know you dropped yours uh, recently. Who were some guys that you were you know, really ahead of where our overall rankings were, kind of like Dario's guys? Tavonze Adams is one for sure. I think that he's still just way too talented. And, you know, Derek Carr was not his best self last season. I think people are overly afraid of Jimmy Garoppolo and Devontae Adams is still going to ball out. So I definitely jacked him up a few spots. I think that, you know, I, I it's been a couple of weeks. I definitely need to update that cheat sheet again. It's probably been. But like yeah, no, I've heard cool. your take on Adams and I, I, I have kind of come around on it. I think that it's kind of like the we don't need to take Devontae Adams at the 10 overall. Because Devontae Adams is just sitting there in the second round. So if you want Devontae Adams, go and get him. I had Davis Maddock on press coverage. He kind of made a big bull case for for Devontae Adams compared his you know usage to Travis Kelsey, how he's sort of unflappable and the main guy who can vacuum targets in that offense. And I and I've heard you make that case as well. And I think it's I've come around on it. I've, I'm trying to kind of play catch up where I've been drafting a lot of the kind of <laughs> higher upside younger guys, and I'm looking to try to add a little bit of uh, of Adams as you know for the rest of the month especially in best ball where you know you're going to get those big 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 spike weeks out of him but today's not about the wide receivers today is about the quarterbacks and right now you have the big four quarterbacks we've talked about these guys kind of at length but is there a specific value player that you see among the big four or do you look at them as a 
somewhat of like a collective of guys that give you a big edge. And let's talk about it. Right now you have Patrick Mahomes going, and we'll reference FFPC right now. If you want Patrick Mahomes, he's going kind of near the the kind of near the two three turn. Uh, somewhere there is where he usually goes. Jalen Hurts right around there as well. QB two. There's a few player gap usually down to Josh Allen, and then there's a several player gap down to Lamar Jackson. But basically, you'll see from the end of the second round to the very beginning of the fourth, those guys are gone. Like a tw- let's call it a 12, 13 pick range. All four are off the board. Uh, and Dario, I have started to see where teams, especially in tournaments like the uh, Players Championship and especially like the main event, you're seeing a little bit more um, unpredictability in terms of who the QB1 is and versus who the, Q, the QB4 is. Obviously, you have Devonta Smith and A.J. Brown, are, are, uh, drafters kind of really valuing Jalen Hurts. You have Stephon Diggs, uh, drafters really valuing Josh Allen. And then you have the Mark Andrews, uh, Lamar Jackson uh, correlation as well. So sometimes it's stacking and sometimes I think it's just uniqueness. But where are you at with that big four? Which of the big four do you think is most likely to finish as QB1 overall? Well, I think it's interesting because Lamar Jackson kind of exists in a little bubble where he's halfway between that tier of the top three and then a little bit closer to that next cluster of three that comes up with Burrow, Herbert, and Fields. So I've really been thinking of it as a big three for most of this offseason, and I think that Lamar Jackson's ADP has really started to climb thanks to the fact that he got that contract extension and all the little concerns about whether or not he would even play this season have been put aside. I do think his upside is up there with Mahomes and Allen and Hurts, but I do think the floor is a little bit lower because we've seen his injuries the last couple of years And there's a little bit more uncertainty with what that offense is going to hold. I mean, it sounds like Odell Beckham and Zay Flowers are impressing in camp and Todd Monken wants to take this offense more pass heavy, but I'm not nearly as confident in Lamar Jackson and that offensive situation as I am with what you can get in Mahomes, Allen and Hurts. I I personally like Jalen Hurts the most before his shoulder injury last season. He was on an absolute tear And I mean, you could say the same about Josh Allen and his elbow injury that was pretty fluky. I think that you really can't go wrong with any of these three guys. And I'm definitely drafting the most for the stacks. Like you said, you have Diggs, you have Kelsey. If you have A.J. Brown or Devontae Smith, that's who I think you should obviously be targeting in that draft. And I think that these guys have kind of changed the dynamic of the late round quarterback strategy for a long time we knew that we could get a decent startable quarterback in round 10, round 12, and you kind of would be able to keep up because the top quarterbacks didn't separate in the same way that this tier of quarterbacks is now capable of separating. So you definitely want to get your amount of your healthy amount of exposure to this top tier of quarterbacks. And if I had to plant my flag, I think it's on Hertz. So it's interesting. Uh, I'll push back a little bit on the Lamar Jackson argument. I think last year we saw elite Lamar Jackson and the sample size was not massive, but we'll call it like the first four games of the season when he had everyone fully healthy in terms of his receiving core. We saw him exceeding his start in 2019. He was putting up, you know, meteoric numbers. um, And then obviously things went south when we saw attrition uh, across the team and then we saw Lamar Jackson himself get hurt. So 
I do agree with you, but I think that the upside that he brings to the position uh, is immense. And I think that we've seen, we've already seen a QB one overall season from him, which is kind of nice. And then you, we, you know, we bring up the rushing ability. I think that the best possible rushing outcome is Lamar Jackson out of this group. Um, you know, we can, we can make kind of make an argument for Hertz, but I, I think that Lamar kind of be- belongs there uh, because I think it's a lot of positive vibes out of the offense. I agree that they're going to throw more. And I think it's also the pace of play is going to go up with Munkin. So I'm, I'm into Lamar, but I will say that I completely agree with you. I think the best possible fantasy season from these four is going to be out of Jalen Hurts because we saw last year things went absolutely perfectly for Philadelphia where a lot of times the fourth quarter was just a let's kind of burn out the clock and, and not put pressure on ourselves. Jalen Hurts really – I would love to see, Dario, the amount of fantasy scoring in quarters one through three – versus quarter four, I would stand to guess that Jalen Hurts had the overwhelming majority of his fantasy points scored in the first uh, three quarters of the game versus quarter Even four. Even in the first half. I mean, yeah. there were games that they had put away by halftime last season. Yeah, I think that's an absolutely great point about the first half. And I think it's, you know, things in the NFL, like we look at Philadelphia as kind of a juggernaut team. I think if me and you were ranking our Super Bowl contenders, we'd, we'd both have them probably in like the top three. Uh, And certainly I think they're the best team in the NFC, but things don't always work out like that. And I think that there is a potential for more, uh, you know, neutral game scripts where Philadelphia is going to have to keep, keep the, the, the foot on the gas. You also had some defensive changes this year where Philadelphia has a ton of talented players on defense, but there is some youth there that they're going to be breaking in. So I love Hertz. And I also think it's very simplistic, but I think we would easily say Jalen Hurts has the best trio of pass catchers between these these four guys. I don't. I I think it's far and away Devonta Smith, AJ Brown, yeah, and Dallas Goddard. Yeah. I mean, there's some. So, there's a lot of question marks with the Chiefs behind Kelsey. Same thing with the Bills behind Diggs, and then um, with. I mean, it's funny. I'm looking at our top five here, and you know Herbert. You have, you know, Quentin Johnson's a question mark. Um. And then the Ravens receivers are also kind of three pretty big question marks. So I would definitely agree with that. Which of these four is going to finish QB four? If you had to bet on on which one of them, if let's say that this is a four man league and all four of these quarterbacks are drafted, which is the one that you would bet on to finish with the least amount of fantasy points this year among these big four? I think if I had to bet, it would be it would be Lamar Jackson because there's just too much uncertainty. I think that he has probably the widest range of outcomes. Like you said, Lamar Jackson's peak QB one season is the highest QB one season that probably any. I mean, from what we've seen him do it, he put together the best quarterback season in fantasy history. I think he could do it again, but I also think the floor is really high for Mahomes, Allen, and Hurts, like we said earlier. So. You know, if you had to bet on which of these four quarterbacks was going to score the fewest points, I think the money would have to go on Lamar Jackson. But that that doesn't mean I don't like Lamar Jackson. <laughs> yeah, this is a really tough question because it's four guys that we really don't want to bet against. Um, I think they're all pretty insulated, especially in the points per game um, category. I will say I think Josh Allen's starting to get a little bit disrespected. You're starting to see him go off the board quarterback four. If you're a usual underdog drafter, you're seeing more and more kind of like 
mid third Josh Allen, where you weren't really seeing that, um, you know, a couple weeks ago. I think people are just kind of sleeping on him. He finished QB two last year after finishing QB one the year before, and they had their final game. Um, you know, it was a sad situation, but the game got you know basically not played. Um, and that if he would have been in that sort of a shootout environment, he more likely than not would have would have finished as QB one overall. So. I don't know. It's it's a it's kind of a pointless task here, Dario. Like all four of them, if that's the 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 plan you have to start your draft with, I think it's a fine argument. I think that the real challenge comes with looking at the next couple of guys because you have Joe Burrow, who was a fourth round selection. He was actually neck and neck with Lamar. If we would have had this this show, you know, two and a half months ago, Burrow and Lamar were literally side by side. Now there is a thirteen player gap between Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is going off the board as QB5, and then you see Justin Herbert right on his heels as QB6, and Justin Fields about, you know, eight to ten spots, give or take your draft, behind Herbert uh, as QB7. But these guys are kind of in their own mini tier, and then there's a drop down to Trevor Lawrence. So let's start at the top with, with Joe Burrow. Does Joe Burrow have QB1 overall in his range of outcomes? It's it's tough for me to see it. I think he he would have to have probably the you know he'd have to have I think a career peak season. Fifty touchdowns. Where we 50 would look yeah exactly passes. like yeah. exactly twenty thirteen Peyton Manning comes to mind, and Burrow's definitely capable of that in some reality. But I, I mean I think that personally I like Justin Herbert a little bit better this year. I think that Kellen Moore is going to really elevate that Chargers offense, and I think. that their pass rate is going to stay high. And I think that, I don't know, I'm starting to get a little bit concerned with just how healthy Burrow is going to be to start the season and whether his ADP could actually continue to dip a little bit lower. And, I mean, we're seeing, I think that the Bengals have every reason to be cautious with him in the first month of the season because, you know, they're, they're, they're a contending team. They're not playing for week six. They're playing for all the marbles. So right now in, in our rankings, you know, for, for the player profiler projections and everything, we go Herbert and then Burrow and then Fields. And I think that I feel pretty good about that order. Yeah, I'm somewhat with you. And it's disappointing to me because, you know, I was all in on, on Burrow and I'm still not out. I've still been selecting him. But like you said, I, I do worry a little bit about these lower leg injuries for quarterbacks. It sounds like it's a calf thing. It sounds like something that he's going to manage. There's not a whole lot of fear about him missing much time, if any. But I do worry that teams can kind of be BSing us a little bit in the summer. And I worry about a setback. It takes one hard hit uh, in an area that he's struggling with. And, I, and then we have potentially missing him for a few weeks. I will say that the QB1, I do think, is in the range of outcomes. Because I think Burrow's kind of entering his quarterback prime. And he's never really thrown for more than 35-ish touchdowns. I, I believe maybe he's got a 36-touchdown uh, season uh, in him. But we we have last year, you know, he missed – Jamar Chase missed time. The season before, T. Higgins missed some time. So there's just a – kind of a perfect storm for him in terms of weapons, the progression he's made in his career where I think he could end up paying off. But I'm, I, I think we should stick with Herbert because you made a great point – I think Herbert right now has, with the addition of Quentin Johnston, 
I think this is the the deepest his wide receivers have ever been in any point in his career. Josh Palmer as wide receiver four gave us a 70 catch season last year. And I think he's become kind of a guy that people make fun of a little bit because he's kind of a compiler. But in terms of stylistically, him as wide receiver four is just another chain mover and a wide receiver with size. They also have Gerald Everett back. Herbert showed um, a connection with Everett last year. He's got a really interesting set of wide receivers, like we talked about with Williams, with Allen, with Quentin Johnston, who's getting rave reviews out of camp. Josh Palmer is wide receiver four. And then they also brought back Donald Parham, which gives him another weapon in the red zone, a 6'8 tight end. And then you add to that, you know, arguably, arguably the best pass catching running back in football in Austin Eckler. Uh, and you bring up Kellen Moore. I think that Kellen Moore is going to keep them playing at a fast pace. And I think last year we saw with Lombardi some some games where they struggled. I, I think that you're right and you're spot on. Justin Herbert's also given us a top three scoring season uh, in I his mean, career. If you're talking about about being hampered by injuries. I mean, you talk about Jamar Chase and yeah, yeah. Burrow, but like Justin Herbert, you know, had some a little bit of a, an issue with his ribs, if you guys remember. In like week two, he was a torn rib cartilage, I believe. He was playing through that. I mean, it's hard to believe that he was fully healthy for, I don't know, what, a month, two months after that hit. So I think Justin Herbert was really capped last season. Austin Slater, their elite left tackle, was out most of the year with a torn, I think it was a torn pec or a torn bicep or something like that. And I, I think there's a lot of pieces that are encouraging for that Chargers offense. Um, but I, I agree with you too. I think that the the Bengals, it was really interesting to see how last season – they kind of weeks one through five were in a bit of a rut offensively. It was really week six that they hit their stride and actually leaned into throwing the ball even more. And they redesigned their whole run game around getting Joe Burrow in the shotgun because they're becoming really predictable. So I think that if you, if we were to see that version of the Bengals offense for a full season, I think that we do see, you know, some career stats for Burrow, but like you said, it's hard to know preemptively which season of Burrow's career will be that 50-touchdown season. I do think, you know, like you said, he's entering his prime. He's probably going to have one at some point. But I think any given year, you know, the elite top four quarterbacks are a safer bet because of their rushing ceiling, the rushing floor. And I think Justin Herbert is a little bit more mobile than Burrow at the end of the day, too. I love it. Um, I think that, you know, those guys are definitely – interesting at ADP but I think the guy that potentially could have the biggest edge is Justin Fields Fields last year gave us the exceptional rushing season 1143 yards rushing I believe that's second best all time at the quarterback position or did he break it one of the two he's talking to he, he didn't he didn't quite catch Lamar so yeah. second to Lamar Jackson 2019 with 1143 yards rushing he also had eight touchdowns on the ground and that really carried his fantasy stats because passing wise, he gave 17 touchdown passes uh, and I believe only about 2,200 yards passing to go with 11, 11 interceptions. The bears had such a slow start to the season. And then you had like this meteoric run uh, from the offense with Justin Fields, just going absolutely insane. And I think that this was uh, a kind of a harbinger of things to come. I also like the fact that, They've added so many weapons. We talk about DJ Moore, and that's like the obvious low-hanging fruit where DJ Moore offers them yak ability. 
where they haven't really had that in years past. It's really been like some downfield targets, even with like Mooney's big season. Uh, and then last year, they made the trade for Chase Claypool, and we can kind of make fun of the the amount they paid for Claypool. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's a big body receiver with athleticism and speed. And they also drafted Tyler Scott, who's a very, very fast wide receiver um, out of Cincinnati. So I love the, what they've done for Justin Fields. And I think that this could be like the cheat code because we talk about where these guys are being selected and Fields is the cheapest of the quarterbacks we've discussed. He also might have the highest upside. Like when we talk about getting to a quarterback one overall season, like we saw with Josh Allen uh, two seasons ago, like we saw with Jalen Hurts last year, like we saw with Lamar Jackson in 2019, it's the immense rushing upside and Fields has shown that. Where are you at on Justin Fields right now, Dario? Do you think that this is this is his big year and he takes a big step forward? I think that it's tough. I, I personally have a hard time seeing it because he just takes too many sacks and interceptions, I think, are the big problem. Like it, he he currently, you know, when you look at things that a quarterback has control over, sack rates are very stable. Sack rates tend to stay with a quarterback in different locations. So we've seen, I think we've seen Justin Fields have that problem with taking sacks. And I know that the the Bears offensive line hasn't exactly been good, but they're not really projected to be too much better this season. They're going to have a rookie playing right tackle, and they're ranked 21st in PFF's offensive line rankings. So I don't think that Justin Fields is going to magically take less sacks or throw less interceptions. And because of that passing part of his game that still needs to develop, we have to see that as just a NFL quarterback. I think it's – I'm personally not too high on, you know, the, the Justin Fields bandwagon. I do think that there's massive upside there. But he also got ridiculously lucky last season in terms of his yards per carry, breaking off those long touchdown runs. And those were great for fantasy, but those are far from sustainable. That's like a very fluky thing that I'm sure is bound to regress. So I think his rushing, his like yards per carry, those long touchdowns are due for some regression. And I'm a little bit skeptical about this receiver group. I think that DJ Moore is going to help, but Chase Claypool, I'm not super bought in on. Darnell Mooney, I think is interesting, but overall, I think that people are expecting this to automatically be like a AJ Brown to the Eagles situation and get like last season's Jalen hurts out of Justin Fields this season. And I think that there are a few signs indicating that that's a little bit overly optimistic. So we'll butt heads a little bit on fields. I, I think I am in on him at his ADP. He's not a guy who I've drafted a whole lot of um, in redraft, but I have taken him a lot on underdog. Um, but I'm open to drafting him this month as my QB one. I, I think that the DJ Moore, I don't think he's AJ Brown. I don't think he's ever kind of been that, you know, truly, truly elite wide receiver. But I think it's, you know, it's easily the best receiver on the roster and the most successful one. And I think that he could take a big step forward um, in terms of his production versus last season in Carolina. And I'm I'm going to go ahead and, and I'm going to say this is the first one we've really kind of butt heads on because I'm in on fields. Let's push it down the list. Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence right now uh, had a had a breakout season last year, um, and now he's being drafted as quarterback eight. 
But there is, again, that significant gap between him and Fields and certainly between him and Burrow and Herbert. Trevor Lawrence is entering into year three. Again, this is the best weapons he's ever had in his career. Certainly, it's not even close. He's got Calvin Ridley added to Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. They have Evan Engram re-signed at the tight end position. Engram was red hot to finish last season, showed immense chemistry with Lawrence. They have Travis Etienne, and they've added Tank Bigsby. You also have year two for Doug Peterson, where you have to think that Peterson um, is a little more comfortable with the, the players on his roster and maybe open things up a little bit. Do you view, view Trevor Lawrence as the kind of guy that is a purgatory player that's more likely going to kind of hit his ADP but not crush it? Or do you view him as a guy that can really challenge and finish ahead of the Herberts and the Burroughs of the world? I think that, I mean... I think Burrow and Lawrence really kind of you're hoping that Lawrence becomes Burrow. And I think that he has every, everything is breaking the right way. Right. I mean, extremely coveted prospect. And like you said, better, better weapons, second year in an offense with, I mean, Doug Peterson is a proven offensive mastermind. I think that the, the addition of Calvin Ridley seems to be on track for helping to open up this offense. And I think that I, there's just so many indicators of Trevor Lawrence being as good of a thrower of the football as we expected him to be coming out of college. And I do think that, I mean, look at, if you look at his just base stats from his rookie year to last season, he improved across the board because they had a real offensive coach. And I think that that's going to continue to improve. So I think that you're kind of on the nose that he's never going to have the ceiling of a Lamar Jackson or a Josh Allen because he doesn't quite do as much on the ground. But I do think that he can elevate to that QB4 region of fantasy production where he could get you, you know, Joe Burrow-esque production. We have a update on the Joe Burrow strained calf injury. This is a quote for you, Dario. You can try to decipher this for me since you are the machine. Zach Taylor says that the timeline is several weeks from when I said several weeks. I think that's not, that's a negative. That sounds very negative, doesn't it? I think he's, I think it's a nothing burger. I okay. think, I think he's saying, like, you know, take when I said it. And when I said it was several weeks, it's still several weeks. Like, I, th- I think it's, I think it's a, I think he's he's dodging the question. I think he's telling us that there's no more information to be had. I'm not saying I don't think it's an addition of several weeks beyond the original several weeks if if I'm interpreting that quote. Yeah, that's that's a that's an interesting one. We we like when um coaches say a few instead of several. I think a few makes me feel better than several because several could be, you know, we're going to get kind of legal in this this conversation, Dario, but Let's get back to Lawrence. I, I like Lawrence. I think Lawrence like present like presents a real option. We also talk about correlation plays. Very easy for me to correlate uh, Trevor Lawrence with either Evan Ingram or with Christian Kirk. If you want to dive into the Calvin Ridley uh, high, uh, like ADP train, you can absolutely do so. But unlike these other guys, like you know, you're able to kind of wait a little bit here and still get a potential you know high scoring quarterback. And I think back to that Chargers game where that could have been like a pivotal moment in his career where he led this big comeback 
as a year two player. And I think that's the kind of thing that can kind of carry over uh, in terms of like what we could see this year. And I will say that one interesting thing that I don't think we were really hearing a lot about is they add Tank Bigsby. Bigsby had 60 plus receptions in the SEC. And Travis Etienne, you know, when we were looking at him as a prospect, that was the kind of guy that we thought could be a very good receiver in the league. He had a sub 10% target share last year. Very disappointing numbers as a receiver. But it was his first year essentially uh, in the league because uh, he missed the first year and won with an injury. Maybe Doug Peterson feels a little bit more comfortable uh, with opening up ETN in the passing game or simply using Bigsby as a, a, a back that they want to target a couple times a game. I think if you add that to Trevor Lawrence, this offense starts becoming really scary. And I, I think that he's a, definitely a target. So right now, like we kind of both agree that he's a guy that could return value. There's a quarterback that goes after him. And again, it's a significant gap. But Deshaun Watson's kind of on his own little island in terms of ADP. Deshaun Watson is was you know a guy that was fantastic in Houston, struggled mightily last year in a very short sample size. You see the Browns kind of getting steamed up. Njoku, Elijah Moore, Amari Cooper, and then Nick Chubb. Uh, all of these guys have gotten kind of moved up in terms of ADP. And then you have a, like some reports on guys like Cedric Tillman doing well in camp. Where are you at on Deshaun Watson? Is he a guy that you want to target? Or is he a guy that you are kind of avoiding at ADP? I think he's he's a target because his upside is just tremendous. I think that a full – I mean, he was technically with the team for last offseason, but during his suspension, he wasn't allowed to be in the building. So the first 11 weeks of last season, he was you know not at practice, not watching film with the team, not learning the new plays. So I think coming in – to play the last six games of the season the way he did um, kind of explains most of why he struggled. And I, I think it's, you know, there's a lot more optimism for his prospects in 2023. And I think at the end of the day, you want to draft players who have league winning upside and Deshaun Watson is definitely one of those players. You know, if I told you six months from now, that Deshaun Watson actually went, you know, blow for blow with that top tier of quarterbacks this season and was putting up numbers like Jalen Hurts, like Patrick Mahomes, like Josh Allen, you'd be more inclined to believe that than if I said the same about Trevor Lawrence. So I think that just because of that upside, Deshaun Watson is a target for me. I think Elijah Moore, someone that we like a lot. I mean, his, his profile, what he showed his rookie year. And I mean, take the clips from camp with a grain of salt, if you will, but we think he's a talented player and it's a good situation to land in. Amari Cooper has still got it. David Njoku is kind of like the Evan, you know, he's an athletic tight end like Evan Ingram. So he's got that outlet just like Lawrence as well. Or like Gerald Everett, just fancy Gerald Everett. Exactly. And then um, Donovan Peoples-Jones. I I think that it's it's a talented group of receivers Nick Chubb is there to take the load off the offense whenever necessary. But there, I mean, I think this AFC is going to be really competitive. I'm excited to see just all these shootouts between elite quarterbacks this season because the AFC has so many more of them than the NFC. So I think that Deshaun Watson's going to get into some big games and he's going to have to win some for the Browns. And he's got that intense elite upside. So the, the tier that's really interesting is our next one. 
you have Dak Prescott going off the board as QB 10, followed up by Tua Tunga Bailoa at quarterback 11. They're very close in ADP. Then a slight gap down to Anthony Richardson, and then a, a, a slight gap down to the Geno Smith, Kirk Cousins, Daniel Jones tier. So this really takes us quarterback 10 through quarterback 15. I think there's a lot of variance in terms of where people are drafting these quarterbacks. I've got a lot of exposure to all of these guys, probably more 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 so with uh, more so with Daniel Jones, Dak Prescott, um, Tua. I have a, a certainly a lot of an, an underdog, but it's just kind of the way that things have worked out. I drafted an Anthony Richardson in an NFFC league uh, the other day. That felt pretty good. I believe that was a Dak Anthony Richardson combo. Talk about this tier because Dario, this tier is cheap. This tier is going, um, you know, somewhere, let's call it in the middle of the 10th round down to like the 12th round. And sometimes you see these guys slide down to the 13th and 14th round, depending on if there's drafters kind of punting quarterback. So we have potential very, you know, high R return on investment from spending draft picks on these guys. But where is the value from this group? So I'm actually, it's funny that the two quarterbacks that you mentioned you've drafted the most of are the two that I'd probably be the most out on. So I'm, I'm going to go completely opposite you. And I think Tua and Geno Smith are my top two targets in this tier. And then I'm getting more and more inclined to draft Anthony Richardson as we've been getting reports that he's, you know, taking all the reps with the ones and showing well in camp. I think that, you know, that's, that's what you want to see for, you know, the number four overall pick who has the best athletic profile that the league has ever seen at the quarterback position. I mean, we talk about Lamar's rushing upside, but he's more athletic than Lamar Jackson. So I, I think that because of that, I think you have to draft some Anthony Richardson. There's a chance that he is a 2019 Lamar Jackson type of cheat code rookie year, Cam Newton, um, I think that that's all within the realm of possibilities. Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator from the Eagles coming over and having just put together the season he put together with Jalen Hurts to be the head coach on this Colts team. I think there's a lot of pieces that are pointing towards Anthony Richardson having at the very least a solid rushing floor in fantasy. When we talk about Justin Fields last season, he only averaged about 150 passing yards per game. So he was still able to put up elite quarterback fantasy numbers because of what he did on the ground. And I think Anthony Richardson is capable of at the very least following that mold. And if he can, you know, be a somewhat accurate passer, he could just completely break fantasy. So I think you have to draft some Anthony Richardson. And I personally love getting some Geno Smith because of that trio of wide receivers that is just so talented with Jackson Smith and Jigba joining Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. I think that Geno Smith, what he showed last year with his accuracy was completely legit. And that's offense is only going to elevate with the addition of another alpha weapon. And then Tua, I mean, I'm a full believer in Mike McDaniel's offensive scheming and in the talents that he has around him. You know, we talk about Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. And I think that Tua, if you look at what he did last season, he was he led the league in yards per attempt. This was an extremely efficient offense, and I think that Tua there's there's that risk of the concussions and the injuries, but every every player can get hurt, and I think that like we said, we're drafting players with upside. We're trying to win the league here, so Tua Tagovailoa I think brings you more of that upside 
than Dak Prescott, than Daniel Jones. So that, that's why I'm targeting in particular those three out of that tier of five that you mentioned. And so one guy you didn't mention, Kirk Cousins. We view him as sort of a purgatory guy, Dario. I'm not like I'm not like super in on, on Cousins. I, I think that everything kind of worked out well for him last season, but we certainly like his weapons and we certainly like the fact that they pass a great deal. Yeah, I mean, I think Cousins is far more interesting in a super flex league, right? When you talk about needing to start two quarterbacks, he's someone who's never going to be all that sexy in ADP. You're never going to have to overpay for him. And you know he's going to play. You know he's going to get you about 4,300 passing yards and 35 touchdowns. So I think that that's where Kirk Cousins is a little bit more appealing to me. But in a single quarterback league, I think you're more likely to win your league drafting Anthony Richardson than drafting Kirk Cousins because Cousins is just kind of going to give you QB He's cu- 10 Cousins, Cousins is Cousins. Yeah. Is Cousins. Exactly. He is, he, he is what he it is. He is the archetype. So, yeah. yeah. He's he's the kind of guy that's more of a bi-week fill-in than anybody you think is like, oh my God, Kirk Cousins is going to completely smash this week and win me my week. I will say that there is a couple of teams where, you know, you talk about correlation and stacking. Dario, if you go with an Anthony Richardson build, you can grab a Cousins, especially on your Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkinson teams, and have some real correlation uh, for weeks you're worried about Richardson, or maybe Richardson is slow out the gate. I will push back a little bit on Daniel Jones. We did see last year they had a horrific set of wide receivers, and they really leaned on Jones with rushing attempts, but he had 120 rushing attempts, and he had 700 yards rushing and now they've gone and, and added a lot of guys stylistically that I think are going to help him on offense. So I do think Jones has a little bit more upside in his quarterback 15 range uh, than you're giving him credit for. Don't you think that the with the additions of Waller, Hyatt, and then all these kind of chain movers, you know, role player guys, but still guys that can help move the chains like Campbell, uh, can you know, don't you see Daniel Jones in the range of outcomes? potentially having a decent season or do you think that last year was kind of a fluky rushing year where maybe they're they're going to kind of recede in terms of those uh, attempts I think that I mean he was the quarterback 10 in points per game last year so he's got a long way to go before he's truly like someone who's winning you your fantasy weeks I think that's like it's very it's very Kirk Cousins-esque territory in terms of the points he was giving you and more of those points were coming from the ground because like you mentioned He's kind of, he was kind of sneaking up on a lot of defenses, surprising them with his mobility. And I think Brian Dable is another great head coach in the league. I mean, I talk about believing in what Mike McDaniel can do with Tua. I do think that Brian Dable is going to maximize Daniel Jones, but I just don't think that his weapons are going to give him that elite monster upside that we like to see. And as a result, I think that he's, like, like you said, probably a little bit of regression with the rushing stats, maybe a little step forward with the passing stats. I think he probably beats his ADP of quarterback 15 and finishes somewhere between quarterback nine and quarterback 12. But like you said, Richardson, he could give us a top five quarterback season right out of the gate. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm with you on Geno Smith. I think he's very, very interesting. Last year, he gave us a uh, like a top six season and they've added Charbonnet and they've added Jackson Smith and Jigba. 
Uh, and also, and the, I mean, they had two rookie tackles last year who overperformed yep. on their offensive line. That's they're only going to get better with more reps. So I, I think there's a lot to like with that Seahawks offense. Now, give us a quarterback, Dario, that we didn't talk about today. That's kind of intriguing to you, like because we've seen this time and time again, where guys kind of come out of nowhere, lower ranked quarterbacks, and and finish you know inside of the top twelve. I mean, we're talking about we're there's, we're not going to see a Geno Smith this year. That would be an, a, a kind of a uh, that would be crazy if you had a guy that we're picking up off the waiver wires finish that high back-to-back seasons. But last year we referenced Tua, we referenced Justin Fields, we referenced Trevor Lawrence, all drafted as QB2s. And then you had Geno Smith, who was obviously a, a waiver wire guy. Is there a guy that you think could be very impactful for our fantasy teams that is that we didn't discuss today? Or do you think the market's kind of pricing quarterback correctly? And let's take let's take Russell Wilson uh, out of this, well, you could keep Russell Wilson in this answer because mine's Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, <laughs> I think, is QB eighteen. Um, I think he's very interesting because I think we have like stylistically everything looks a lot better than it did last year. I love the Marvin Mims edition. Um, I love Sean Payton as his head coach, and I think that you know Jerry Judy being healthy, I could take the next step. They have Javante Williams, they have Samaj P. Ryan, and also like last year seems like it. it has to be fluky for Russell Wilson. Um, he's interesting, and I think Jared Goff is interesting just based on the quality of the offense. He's kind of like a – it's like an arbitrage play to Kirk Cousins, who's a lot more expensive, where you could yeah. see uh, Goff outscoring him. Is there a, a guy, any other guys that you want to discuss? I mean, I think I first off agree with you on Russell Wilson. In our player profiler rankings, we have him as the quarterback 12, and you said you know, his ADP is about quarterback 18. So I think that there's a lot more upside and floor than people are giving him credit for. Sean Payton, offensive guru for sure. Um, But I actually wanted to talk about Derek Carr. I think that with the weapons that the Saints have around him and the fact that last year was was a down season for him, but I think a lot of that could have been attributed to Josh McDaniels. I think that with Michael Thomas healthy, Chris Olave, Alvin Kamara only being suspended three games when we were all kind of expecting more of a at least four or six game suspension. I think that there's a lot of weapons that are very enticing around Derek Carr compared to what he had last year when that offense was all Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams. So I think for me, like like you, like you said in the question, I mean, Derek Carr, is he going to give you a top five quarterback season? Absolutely not. But can he bring you that quarterback 10 payoff from that quarterback 20 ADP. I think he's the guy that stands out to me most in that tier. I like that one. I think it's, it's very interesting. You know, we love Olave, Um, and I think that there's going to be more use of Kamara as a receiver. They've had him working out with the receivers in, in training camp. When he comes back, I think that they're going to figure out like how to get the max out of him. Uh, and I like Rashid Shahid. I like a couple of the weapons. So I, I think that that's a, that's another, Interesting answer. And then just brief thought on Aaron Rodgers, uh, Dario. Does he interest you at all? I think so. I mean, he's he's not he's not overly expensive. The weapons are good. I think that the biggest upside for Aaron Rodgers is one that's really hard to quantify, and that's just him wanting to kind of give the league a middle finger by saying, or you know, at least the Packers, right? Just kind of like a Tom Brady first year in Tampa Bay type of thing where he's actually the one 
calling the shots in the offense and he just simply wants to put up the counting stats to to do it for the sake of doing it. So I think that there's definitely a real chance that we see that type of season from Aaron Rodgers and you're going to want to have a piece of that if it happens. But I, like I said, it's something that's a little tough to quantify. We saw Aaron Rodgers, a lot of his you know, key quarterback stats declined last year. How much of that was the weapons? How much of that was the thumb injury that he was playing through? I think it's, it's kind of tough to unravel. But I think that I'm still drafting some pieces because of that massive upside. The Jets have a really good defense. I think that this team is going to be in position to let him score some touchdowns. So I, I'm not totally out on Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I, I'm not either. And I think that, you know, obviously we love Garrett Wilson. And that's a big reason why I want to root for Rodgers because I'd like to, you know, potentially have him in, in this mix of the guys right above him to pair with like Richardson or a Gino or, or Daniel Jones for me. Uh, this was a lot of fun, Dario. Uh, we're going to be back next week on Man vs. Machine. Dario, have a fantastic time at the Fantasy Football Expo. If you're attending the Expo, look for Dario. Ask him about anything stat-related. Ask him about, about how this road trip has been. Uh, and also look for Anand Nanduri. Look for Bradley Stalder. They're going to be at the Expo as well. Um, this is a lot of fun, Dario. Let everybody know where they can find you. Yeah, just find me on Twitter at Dario Ofstein. And then, as always, the projections, the seasonal rankings, the best ball rankings, dynasty rankings over on playerprofiler.com. Uh, that's that's all the goods. Awesome. And uh, keep it keep an eye out. Um, we're going to drop a number of shows this week. I'm going to have a press coverage with Scott Barrett on Friday. That should be a lot of fun. Uh, and enjoy the rest of your day. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all of this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.